Welcome to Better Words, a podcast for readers who want to know the stories behind the pages. We're your hosts, Caitlin and Michelle, two book nerds who bring you in-depth conversations about writing and publishing from those on the inside. Basically, we're just here to talk about books. We're so glad you're joining us. Hello, welcome back to Better Words. We try not to be too biased here on the podcast, but long-time listeners will know that Tobias Madden is one of our favourite humans. So, even though it's not been that long since we spoke to him about his debut novel, Anything But Fine, we just had to get him back to discuss the publication of his second book. And yes, this makes him the first person to be a triple guest on our podcast, which we love. I can't believe we've had him on three times. That's amazing. <laughs> um, so we talked to Tobias all about his second novel, Take About Noah Mitchell, which obviously follows Noah, a gamer who's in love with his best friend, but there's zero chance they'll ever even meet in real life. Until, of course, Noah joins the cast of a local production of Chicago with his self-obsessed mum playing the lead. What could possibly go wrong? Well, turns out a lot. Um, this book is even more fun to read than it sounds and getting to know both of these boys at the musical rehearsals and through their online chats while they're playing this game is so, so sweet. And a little update since we recorded this interview, Tobias and his husband Daniel have since moved to New York City where Tobias is about to get to launch the US version of Noah Mitchell, which is amazing and we are super thrilled for them. And we love living vicariously through them as they explore NYC and post all their updates on Instagram. So make sure you are following him. Did you see their (laughs) Christmas tree reel? Oh, they have a real tree. Oh, so exciting. Make sure you're following them. It's so cute. So congratulations uh, to Tobias and Daniel on that massive move. It's very exciting. And now on to our third interview with Tobias Madden. So we had you on to talk about Underdog. Yeah. And then when did we record that? 20... In April 2019, the episode oh, aired. Oh, okay, so just after it came out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. before I moved overseas. Yeah, yeah ages ago. that's right. And then we obviously had you on last year for Anything But Fine in September. And so I guess having you back then, it was like really warranted because it was like, oh, it's your first, like it's your own book. It's been a while. We'll have you back. And now, because we are both going overseas, we're just being a bit lazy. And so we're having people back on for a catch-up. And we're like, oh, (laughs) Tobias has got another book. Let's have him back again. Yay, why not? Actually, the other thing (laughs) that's happened since we last spoke, which we definitely both were like, oh, my God, we have to talk to you about this. So let's just start with this. Um, can we talk about you going viral on TikTok (laughs) with your wedding dance and J-Lo herself? Like yes. recognizing at least uh, she watched oh it at least God. once you can be confident of that i know i know it's um i mean i knew that's what you were gonna say as soon as you started <laughs> that sentence i was like this is it's the first thing on everyone's lips these days um it was such a weird few days um obviously dan and i got married in 2019 not long after we first spoke actually in may oh, 2019 right. yeah yeah so like we've posted that dance from our wedding on instagram a bunch of times like all of our friends have seen it countless times anniversary birthday gets pulled back exactly that's the thing yeah you drag it out of the vault but like i guess the broader internet had not experienced it yet and so 
Dan got TikTok earlier this year um, and had started posting a few videos and was just like looking for content, just like what videos do I already have on my phone? And he was like, oh, I'll just post the wedding dance. I was like, yeah, cute, why not? Um, and so he posted that one night before we went to bed. And then when we woke up, it already had over a million views. And then like by that night, it had 3 million views. The next morning it had 4 million views. And then I think it was like maybe two or three days after we had originally shared it, I woke up and checked Instagram and I just had all of these messages that were just like, JLo, JLo, oh my God, JLo, did you see JLo? And I was like, I have literally no idea what you're all talking about, but I love JLo. So I was like, I'll go and look at her Instagram. And lo and behold, there's me and Dan dancing our little hearts out on JLo's Instagram. And she had a little, like a little sticker on the video that said like, congrats to the happy couple or whatever. Obviously not knowing we got married three years ago. Well, I think um, that's the funny thing is that I think everyone assumed it was quite recent. And so maybe, yeah. 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 But I mean, and then, you know, from there it spiraled out of control even more because then like it got picked up by all these media outlets like Pedestrian TV and Daily Mail and Queerty and People Magazine in America, all these places started sharing it. And so like, I don't know how many people have seen it in total now, but like on Dan's TikTok, it's had almost 12 million views, um, plus all the views on all the other profiles. And it just was so weird and like it really did just show what it feels like to go viral because it's just like suddenly everyone is talking about it and like it was on the radio in Australia all of these people were just talking about this video but then like 24 hours later literally no one cares like people move on so quickly and especially for like it was like a 15 second dancing video like it's not gonna hang around for long but I mean you know we're big JLo fans and it was a JLo song and knowing that she watched it with her own eyes and probably showed Ben Affleck as well. Oh you know, my God, I didn't even think of that. Like, yes. Oh, hey, did you see this yes. cute video? Like that. <laughs> we should do this dance at our upcoming wedding. Exactly, oh, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that would have been the conversation. And so I'm just like, that's 9 million percent worth it. And I mean, the dance was worth it itself at the wedding. Like we didn't intend God. it to be this. Like, and it was just, yeah, this fun little bonus. And it seemed to bring a bunch of people you know, 10 seconds of joy in their day, which was really lovely. It's so lovely. It always makes me smile. <laughs> um, and like the thing is, if people are listening to this and haven't listened to our past episodes with you and, and they should go back and listen to them, but you are both professional dancers or you were a professional yeah. dancer. So like you have moves, <laughs> you know, it's not just it's an not average wedding, wedding thing. <laughs> yeah. No, it was, it was really funny incredible. though. Like some of the comments were like, oh, they learned a dance for their wedding and like oh I wonder who no like, bitch I didn't yeah I was like uh we actually choreographed that in our kitchen like three days before the wedding and we're professional dancers um there were also a few people that were like oh so cute like the the groom and the best man doing a dance and we were like oh you've really Ooh, missed no, the point of this you've completely misunderstood what's happening here I'm like whatever oh my god <laughs> uh, what was the weirdest comment that you saw um, I mean, those ones are probably the weirdest. Um, and I think we were quite lucky, actually. Like, there wasn't, I mean, on Dan's video in particular, like, there wasn't really a lot of hate because a lot of queer content on TikTok ends up finding all the haters pretty easily. But we didn't really have that, which was great. I did see when People Magazine shared it on their Instagram that that <laughs> brought out a very different part of society. Um, and scrolling through those comments, um, it actually just made me laugh. Like, I think... 10 years ago, I would have taken offense to a lot of the comments, but now it's, I mean, it's 2022, like if you're going to be gay, 
you're gay. Like, let's all just move on. Do you know what yeah. I mean? So, like, seeing people be like, this is the reason the world is ending. I was like, oh, oh no, that's, it's not. That's, like, like really <laughs> dramatic, actually. Like, no, honey, actually, if 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 the gays were running the world, you fine. know, it'd be a much better place. <laughs> Sing it. I mean, don't I know it? <laughs> that's insane. And in all of it, like, that, you know, four days to a week or whatever of craziness, did either of you ever actually talk to any Australian media at least or no was it just the video no we didn't actually it was really funny all of the articles that popped up didn't ever ask us for a comment or anything they just like stalked us online and found all of our information and I was really happy actually because they all said that I was an author and had a photo of me with my books and I was like oh this is great like you know good publicity, publicity. yeah because usually know, yeah, I mean, no one, no one, and the book no had even come out in the, the US book. already it was great yeah exactly <laughs> yeah it was good timing but yeah it was just funny because often the books kind of get forgotten in those sort of pop culture kind of media moments but I was like oh that's really nice of them to actually show me with the book it's so and as you say it's so weird because to you like this happened ages ago it wasn't a thing that you did for social media or for virality so like to just have something picked up it does give you a bit of a sense do you think that you might work in something like that into a future book like that feeling of something taking oh i don't know out of control something going viral i hadn't really thought about that actually i mean i these days I'm growing pretty weary of social media. So I think if anything, there'll be less and less social media in my books um, because I think I already am a bit overwhelmed by it in everyday life as yeah. it is. Um, it's quite hard to I, write about as well. I would. Yeah, think. it's hard to do well. I mean, some authors have done it really well, but I think if people want to experience social media, they just go on social media. I think if you want to escape that, that's when you open a book and, you know, read some other kind of stories well that certainly makes our um viral tiktok that's just got over a million uh, look very very bad in comparison doesn't well, it? I didn't know you had, I, what was yours so ours is a <laughs> ridiculous so story so when michelle was in sydney um a few months ago she posted a tiktok to to our like better words account that is <laughs> the most basic opening like pan of Dimmick Sydney with like the wall and like the first few shelves. Um, and it was in May. So all of the Heartstopper books are in the background, right. which everyone continuously comments on this video about. I love that it just finds the Heartstopper people. They're like, oh my God, Heartstopper. Which like, is so nice, but like, it's so funny. Yeah. But the thing about it is, is that it, it wasn't like a million views in a day. It had just continuously, it's never stopped. Stopped, yeah. And we're at 1.1 million, like, three months on. I remember posting How it funny. in the car going somewhere and just putting up a stupid little TikTok with some other person's sound. Yeah. And just, like, redoing it. And I was just like, I don't understand. Like, we have no and, idea you know, why like, ours 4, of all the... views in and out. Like, oh, this is weird. Like, it, and it just keeps... And then, yeah, like, a week later, we'll be like, oh, my God, it's picking up again. What is going on? And we just don't... I don't understand it. But apparently, people like bookshelves. Um, I mean, yeah, who doesn't? Yeah. Who doesn't? But yeah, it's just funny that you're like, oh, I put zero. I mean, imagine if you had deliberately done that dance for TikTok. It would have gone zero. Because oh, like, it's just like something, it's it's always the stuff that's like the fact that Dan was like, I just want to put up something. This is on my phone. Yeah. yeah. Let's just do it. And that's yeah. what I think as well as like off. our stupid video that's gotten a lot of views and a lot of comments and everything. Dimmick Sydney could not replicate that if they tried. Oh, no, <laughs> like, I know. That's yeah. the thing. It's so, so sad. Yeah. It's like, and it's, it's funny. I feel like, you know, there's clearly this 
this movement on social media at the moment towards authenticity and really authentic content. Um, and especially with Be Real coming, which I absolutely won't be downloading. And I don't really understand I'm it. I'm too old for that. I can't But know. I no. kind of just want to say to everyone, oh, do you know what's really authentic? Authentic? real life like just like go and meet your friend for coffee like that is the most authentic way to experience that like don't worry about making social media authentic and what we've just talked about about two videos getting this unexpected amount of views for both of us obviously different scales but both of which were (laughs) not very authentic like you hadn't just gotten married it was an old video yeah i don't know it's strange and i'm with you tobias like i'm more and more like just you cannot be bothered no. with Instagram and I just, yeah. It's a really it's weird, sort of weird thing. And I, I, I feel like we might outgrow it at some point as a society. I kind of hope we do. But yeah. like, you know, I, guess I think... we forget I, sometimes that in the grand scheme of things, it's still quite shiny and new to be able to do it at all. Oh, totally. Like in the scheme of yeah, history, like it's only been around for a very short moment. But I think that your bookstore video is such a good example. It's like if people are so excited to see the shelves of Dimmick's Sydney and the Heartstopper books, it's like go to Dimmick's yeah. and walk <laughs> around because then you get the Just smell the as well. You get the book smell. Oh my God. It's infinitely yeah. better. So it's like... Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel funny about it all. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I definitely, the shine has, has definitely come off it. Um, on that note, reading a book yes. instead of social media, let's talk about Noah. So we are speaking to you the day after it's come out. Congratulations. Thank you. How exciting is it to have two books out now? Um, It's amazing. I mean, I guess, you know, it's, you dream of becoming a published author for so long and then suddenly there's just like another book and it's just, you know, this thing that you get to keep doing and it's not, you know, it doesn't, it's finished. Like the dream keeps going, which is really, really cool. And, you know, second books are a bit hard and a bit stressful. There's, you know, a lot of pressure on them. I think mainly probably from yourself as a writer, there's a lot of, you know, personal pressure that you put on that experience. But, um, you know, Noah Mitchell was such a, joyous book for me to write like I purposefully chose to write about just stuff that I really like which is obviously musicals and gaming you know because I was like if I'm going to spend a year writing this I'm gonna I really want to enjoy what I'm writing about but you know it turns out that I think that might be a good way to look at you know writing because it seems that a lot of other people also enjoy those things and are very excited to read about them um and particularly you know the kind of intersection between the two which is really fun and you know yeah this time we're not in lockdown when the book came out which is already a big win already such an improvement you had a book launch yeah yeah i know just the fact that we had got to do that at all at kinakunia the other day was so fantastic so yeah i mean it's off to a really fun start i think um yeah, I just feel really lucky that I got to write another book, you know, and, and have something else out in the world and a story that's very different to anything but fine. But, you know, I still wrote it. So it still feels like me, I think, you know, which is the fun part. Um, and, you know, seeing people that have two books written by me and that there's, you know, suddenly a, a Tobias Madden section on the shelf rather than just one book is like, it's really cool. <laughs> So exciting. And the cover is so cute as well. I really do. And the both covers actually, like the US cover as well. They're both so cute. I think the thing though is like when it's joyous for you to write, it's joyous for us to read too. And I think like Anything But Fine is still a really funny book, but it obviously deals with like some emotional things as well. But like 
it's so nice and i guess this is what people love about like heartstopper and stuff is it's nice to have like fun nice gay stories um because while there's a place obviously for all different types of stories it's nice when it's like fun and nice and i think to just I mean, I don't know about you guys, but just with how shit the world's been <laughs> the last few years, I am definitely gravitating more towards, like, I want romances. Yeah, I want cute everyone. books. Yes. I want things that, as you say, like, if social media is overwhelming, you want to take a step back. If the world is overwhelming, I want to escape into something nice. Yeah. Like, I don't want to read... A su- I've had Shuggy Bane on my shelf for ages and everyone just says it's beautiful but really emotional. And I'm like, I, I don't know if I'm... Yeah. I don't know if I'm ready for that yet. Like, yeah. I just give me something cute and nice like yeah so i think that i think that you need you need to keep doing that because you're so good at it as oh, well thank you i mean i yeah i think that will probably be my take on writing for a very long time because it's you know maybe it's selfish of me to just want to write about things that make me happy but it's like you know why would you not you've got to enjoy that experience and and i think you know what you said um is right that you know i think it does hopefully come across on the page as well you know and it's also like my books are very light and bright and funny um but it's nice to sort of slip in some deeper meaning underneath as well and there's definitely you know some more serious things that crop up in noah mitchell but i think you know when it's wedged in between all of the fun and the silliness um it's kind of a lot easier to digest i think which i think is really important as well for teen readers because like you know when things are too too serious and too important i feel like they just can become didactic pretty quickly, um, especially where teen readers are concerned. So it's like, if you can write a really fun book that's engaging and gives you that kind of hit of escapism, but then also, you know, you learn a few little things along the way without realising that I think that's always probably... I love that about YA because the thing about when you are a teenager, the, you know, the highs are and the lows are low, but, like, they happen within an hour of each other, you know? Like, everything happens all at once. And so I think the best YA really does reflect that quite well, where whatever terrible thing could be happening, but then, you know, the love interest walks into the room and all of a sudden you're really excited again and that's completely accurate. Totally. I mean, I feel like that's pretty accurate for life. Anyway, forever yeah. Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah like I mean any it, there's so many experiences that I've had as an adult where you know you can swing from you know extreme joy to grief to sadness to you know any emotions like just you know within seconds and it's it just that's how it happens and so I you know I love when books feel like that when it just feels kind of you know a bit messy and a bit real what else are you looking forward to with the release of the book not being in lockdown this time I'm super excited uh, for Melbourne Writers Festival next week, um, which is really good timing to have a book come out the week before that. That's fantastic. <laughs> yes. And I've been really lucky this year. I've done a bunch of different festivals and I just enjoy them so much. They're so much fun. I really love just hanging out with other authors. I mean, most of my friends are actors, so it's a very different vibe when I hang out with them to them being in a room full of YA authors, like, because you just, you just get each other and you get the experience and it's just really nice. And always, you know, you just leave kind of buzzing and inspired. And I love that feeling, but I also love getting to meet readers, you know, because writing is so solitary. Um, And, you know, especially for a lot of people as well, you know, their day jobs, you might be working from home as well. So kind of all of that kind of work stuff, plus writing has turned quite solitary for a lot of people. And so then to be able to just go and meet, you know, crowds of people and and talk about books is 
So, so fun. So yeah, I'm very much looking forward to that, particularly the high school days, because as an adult writing YA, you don't often get, you know, that many opportunities to meet the actual people that you're writing the books for, which is teenagers. Um, and then when you do get to hang out with them, it just, yeah, it's, it's a very, very joyous experience and super rewarding just to see, see their reactions to the books. And, um, you know, teens just love things so fiercely. Like when they like a book, it becomes their personality. And I just love that. And I had that with things when I was a teenager, whether it was a book or a musical or whatever. And I just, you know, you can just see that in their eyes, how much they enjoy something. And it's just so, so beautiful. I know. I almost miss loving things that much. Like sometimes I think I do. (laughs) And then you see like, like the other day at work, I was looking for you know photos of one of our books on instagram or whatever so i was stalking a few people and i just saw one comment that said the book had arrived and the caption was like i was screaming crying throwing up and i was like i love that we use these phrases for things because like (laughs) i would never even write that because i would feel i was like i'm not that excited (laughs) you know but i want to be that excited But I think back to, and you know, Caitlin, we had this discussion when we talked about this is not a book about Benedict Cumberbatch, which is wonderful because the whole premise of that is we should love things that fiercely into our adult life and we don't, and especially not like as women as well. And I have recently been like rewatching some things that I loved as a teenager with a particular actor that I loved and just remembering like it, it was such a comfort. And even now watching it, I'm like, I feel a bit silly because I still have a bit of a crush on this actor, but I'm like getting married next month. But there's something so comforting about being able to go back to that and be like comforted by that. Like it just, and and by, I guess by the feeling of not like obsession, but to be like, oh yeah, like the nostalgia of remembering yeah. how much you loved something. Like I don't love the Beatles anywhere near as much as I used to when I was a teenager. It's still a major part of my personality. I still couldn't bear to get rid of any of the stuff that I collected. <laughs> But, you know, like, it's not as big. It just, you do, you just sort of, it. I don't know, somewhere along the way you look back and you realise that you don't love stuff as hard as you did. But it's nice to, you know, put on the album yeah. or the movie and be like, oh, yeah, I I still love this. It's just, it's a bit Or deeper. revisit it by writing a book about a teen who loves the same things you did. Yeah. <laughs> look at that tie-in. It was like yes. it was all planned. Oh, <laughs> For a second perfect. I was like, what a great idea. And then I realised you were talking <laughs> you about just me. just did it. <laughs> I mean, you could do it again. <laughs> and yeah. I realise I realize we've talked about this book, we've talked about Noah Mitchell, but we haven't actually got you to give us the elevator pitch. So just in case no, someone is like listening and is like, I'm not familiar with this book, obviously we will link things, but what's your elevator pitch for it? Um, so Take a Bow, Noah Mitchell is about a 17-year-old gamer who goes undercover in a local production of Chicago the Musical where his self-obsessed mother is playing the lead role uh, in order to win the heart of his secret online crush. I can't wait to read it. (laughs) I haven't got my copy yet. I need to get a copy. I'm so excited. That just sounds so good. And I can just hear the songs. Yes. Brilliant. There are are so many musical references. I can't even tell you. Did you listen to musical soundtracks? While, do you listen to anything while you write? Um, I generally write in silence. I'm not good with music while I write. Um, and I definitely didn't listen to Chicago while I wrote. Um, I, if I do listen to music, it has to be instrumental. Um, but I will say that when I wrote Noah Mitchell, 
I listened to this playlist on Spotify called Fantasy Board Gaming, which is just all this really atmospheric kind of like fantasy music that I think people would play like while they're playing like Dungeons and Dragons, like in real life. That's kind of cool. Yeah, but I listened to that when I was writing all of the gaming scenes because um, those kind of, you know, fantasy role-playing games on computer like have such brilliant atmospheric music. And I remember when I was a teenager, like trying to find the songs online because I loved just hearing them so much and I wanted to listen to them when I wasn't playing the game, which sounds so nerdy. Um, <laughs> no, but it sounds like it actually like helps you concentrate and stuff. Yeah. Like clearly, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I listen to those. Sense. But um, yeah, not not <laughs> definitely not all that jazz. That's a little distracting. Because <laughs> I'd, be, I'd have to dance, do you know what well, I mean? Like yeah. if I put Chicago yeah, on, I'm going to be dancing. So, I can't listen yeah. to any music with lyrics while like doing anything because yeah. I just dance, I sing along. At yeah. work, I would type the lyrics, you know. Exactly, it's too hard. <laughs> I'm not that. I'm not. I'm pretty good at like blocking stuff out. I think ah. working in a, a newsroom, like I'm very good at like blocking stuff out. Jack's always very surprised by how much I can. But my um, like there is there is one particular Pink Floyd album that I have to listen to if I'm like if I'm feeling like this story is really tricky. I don't know what to write. Like I've got to start writing a script for a podcast next week and I have no idea where to start. And I have, I actually, I love this album so much. I got it on vinyl so that I could just like put it in and then I can take a break when I have to switch the vinyl. (laughs) Like such a hipster loser. Um, But I, I was like, okay, Monday morning, that album is going on. I am going to make a start because you know this as well, Dwight, that the messy first draft it's like the hardest mental block to overcome the whole week i've just been thinking like i don't want it to be shit but i know it's gonna be shit and it's gonna (laughs) feel shit but like i have to put the messy first draft down yeah um and speaking of drafts i'm sure it's not messy like mine's gonna be at the moment but you are also working on another book can you tell us anything about that? yeah so i mean yeah it's finished the the first draft of my um hypothetical third book is finished which is really fun it took me the longest to write out of any of my books um i think just because i was so busy with other stuff i don't think anyone prepares you for how much admin there is as an author and how much other time there is away from actually writing writing well particularly once you're published and the book is out and then you're doing yeah yeah like the first book as well you've just got like all the time not all the time in the world because you're working and stuff but like because you were working full time while doing it, but you don't have the deadline, the same amount. Like, yeah, you've got you've got a deadline. You're promoting your other book whilst headfirst in the third book. Like, it's yeah, it's a crazy juggle. It's a big juggle, and it's a really fun one. And it is, you know, that's that's the author dream to be like promoting one book and doing edits on another, and then writing the first draft of another one. Like, that's you know, that's what we live for. But it was quite overwhelming as well. But anyway, so it took me ages to write it, and it was a bit of a struggle at times. Um, but I'm super proud of it now. I can't really say too much, but it's so anything but fine takes place in year eleven, and Take a Bow, Noah Mitchell takes place in year twelve, and so the third book. Um, which also is sort of based in Ballarat, takes place in the protagonist's first year out of high school, kind of following on in my little fake trilogy that I've written. Um, <laughs> Caitlin and I love, I love this age. So do I. Well, yes. Yeah, I've been, I've been yes. just, I've been, yeah, gagging to write about it for ages. And so the story starts in Ballarat, um, but there's a pretty big travel element in the book, which was so much fun for me to write because I have not travelled in a long time, and travel is my favourite thing. 
again, I've just written about what I like just to entertain my entertain myself. But yeah, it's um, I'm really, really excited about it. It's again, it's very different to the other two, um, but I think it will feel the same kind of vibe in general. So yeah, I can't wait to share more about it soon. Oh, well, we can't wait yeah. either. But until then, so um, as we said, you know, we're talking to Noah Mitchell's only just come out. So most people yeah. are only just <laughs> getting the chance to read it now. So we have yeah. plenty of time until then to enjoy I, and I always feel really bad because I don't want to be the people that are like, great, you had one book, now give us more. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, like, I know, like it's fun to hear about yeah. what you're writing about. And like, yeah, we all know totally. publishing is, is such a long process. So like, we yeah. know that you're <laughs> on to the yeah. next one yeah. already. So. Totally. Yeah. It's funny though, this is because at this point in time, both of the other years, I would have already been pretty deep in plotting for the next thing but I have not started any other projects yet I decided to give my brain just a short break from drafting um, because that drafting process is so exhausting and on top of everything else that's going including just the general state of the world I think my brain was heading towards burnout um, and I figure I should try and stop that before I actually get there because I think once you actually get there it's pretty hard to come back from so I'm like I need to just like nip that in the bud. Think a bit of a break is fair because isn't it just ridiculous a little bit ridiculous that you just said oh but I haven't done any work on book four yet like yeah. oh I'm so behind <laughs> like, yeah, I know, like that's what it yeah. feels like Isn't I that know weird? It's yeah so weird. but it'll be fun. I think a bit of a break is very well deserved and well earned yeah so. I think so and yeah, I think like did. I usually have a really really clear idea of what I want to write next but I don't have that yet and so I'm like there's no yeah, point sort of forcing myself yeah yeah I'll just because you know I kind of have finished my little YA contemporary trilogy so literally anything is on the table at this point in terms of book four and other writing projects so yeah you really like fantasy and stuff as well don't you would you I do yeah I mean I don't know if I would do that next I feel like I definitely will one day but I think sometimes that transition from contemporary to fantasy can be pretty dangerous for authors because you can lose a huge amount of the fan base that you've already started building up you know, and creative decisions aren't always marketing decisions, but you know, but when you there have are that in you, it's fine. <laughs> I do, I do. And yeah, yeah, you literally do. Yeah. yeah, and when there are agents and publishers involved as well, it can be you know a discussion that you have with them about what you know is a good next step. So I think I'll yeah have a little rest and then see what kind of sparks um, my creativity at some yeah, point. Yeah, what you can come up with. Yeah. So how, just just before we finish, how long have you been like full-time author now? Yeah, um, I'm not quite full-time. I do have a part-time job still. Um, but I left Bloomsbury, I think, in March, maybe March or April. So it's been a, a few months and I only work two days a week now. I'm still doing marketing, but in the kind of theatre world, um, which has been nice to have extra time. But it's funny, I thought that I would suddenly just have all this like leisure time and I'd be able to have all this beautiful like work-life balance and just, you know, do my writing and then like see friends and all of that sort of stuff. But it just like, the time just fills itself. I don't know how. It's like the second you have spare time, it just is filled by all this other stuff. And I'm, yeah, I don't know if I was still working full time, I think I would have had a mental breakdown at this point yeah. but yeah it's just interesting I was really shocked that to see just yeah the time just fills up somehow of its own accord it's quite interesting 
Yeah, pretty annoying, isn't it? Yeah, yeah a little <laughs> bit. And I mean, yeah. that I think that balance thing is something we're all probably looking for um, and that we all pledged, you know, that we would try and achieve during COVID because we're like, oh, that's right. There's other things that matter apart from work. But then it's just like once the world gets up and running again, it's hard to not sort of get back on that hamster wheel, isn't it? Yeah, to just jump mm. back in. I know. And and you want to socialise and you want to do stuff. And like I'm just, I just cannot estimate how much time or energy things are going to take me so I'm constantly just being like oh my god why did I say yes but I can't haven't got to the point where I can predict that in and and say no to things before I get to the point of feeling incredibly overwhelmed so I definitely understand where you're coming from yeah and saying no is very hard yes uh thank you so much for joining us of course thank you we always ask where can people find and follow you online instagram is probably the only social media app that i can promise that i will still be using in the coming months um so my handle is just tobias underscore madden on instagram and i promise i will be there i might be a little absent from all the others um once all of the promo stuff dies down um but yeah come hang out i talk a lot about all my favorite books and stuff on Instagram. So it's a fun place to, yeah, find book recs and see what's going on in my writing world. You have so many good book recs, honestly. Yeah. Like, it's kind of dangerous, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but that's so wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. What a treat. Lena Kenwood won the text prize in 2018 for her debut novel, It Sounded Better in My Head, which is what we spoke to her about when we when she joined us on the podcast originally in 2019. She had also just given birth to her daughter when we spoke. I mean, thankfully not literally, but her daughter was only a couple of months old. I yeah, think. she was very, very small. <laughs> very tiny. Anyway, her daughter is a lot bigger now. And since then, obviously, the world has gone through a lot, but we don't have to tell you that. We've been dying to read Nina's new novel, Unnecessary Drama, since it was announced. And once again, it felt like Nina had some sort of weird telepathic connection to my own anxious brain when I read this book. It was just so spot on. Here's how Nina describes Unnecessary Drama. It's a rom-com set in a student share house in Melbourne. It's a slow burn, enemies to lovers story, and a coming of age story, and a moving out of home story, and a making new friends story, and a dealing with anxiety story. So like all the things we love. And we can confirm it's also pretty funny. We can't wait for the gentle trauma of reliving our late teens and early 20s in Nina's future novels too. And we hope you enjoy this chat with her. So welcome back to the show, Nina Kenwood. It has been quite a while since we had you on and you have a new book coming out, which is what we're going to be talking about. But last time we spoke to you, I believe it was only like maybe a few weeks, maybe a few months since you had had your baby, who I'm sure is now like running around talking, (laughs) you know, a little human being. Um, So I guess our first question was sort of like, how did you cope with writing and having your baby? Well, um, first, hello, and thank you for having me back. Um, yes, we we first spoke, I think she was maybe eight weeks old. So I was in a very, um, yeah, I was in the crazy newborn phase of, yeah, 
new baby, first book, everything felt very chaotic. Um, I would like to say that my life feels less chaotic now, but that is not true. Um, <laughs> it still feels equally chaotic. Uh, yeah, she's three now. And yeah, uh, uh, my second book is coming out in, um, as we record this, it will be, we're about a month out from when it's coming out. Do you think, how? Did, yeah, how did like writing, like how did your writing change? as you were a new mum yeah um, probably just time completely yeah <laughs> yes but, well the the process sort of so I wrote I wrote um my first book it sounded better in my head I was working full-time but it I still had so much free time um just I wrote it on weekends I wrote it after work um and I just you know my time was my own outside of work and it was I could stay up all night or I could start working on it at three o'clock on a Saturday and just work through to midnight if I felt like it um so in some ways even though I was working full-time it was um it was easy to write um and then I came I I made the mistake of um everyone says have your second book written before your first one comes out because then you're, you're writing it in before the pressures of whatever happens with the first book. Yeah, before and, anyone's you know, read anything you've written. And... Exactly. And before you've read all the Goodreads reviews and <laughs> all of that, of what people like and don't like about, which of course I have. Um, <laughs> it's like you can't, you can't help yourself. You're like, I'm not going to do it. I do it with comments on stories that I write and I'm like, no, stop reading but you just keep going. Uh, Look, honestly, anyone who spends the time like reading my book and writing a review, I think good on you. And often uh, even the negative ones I would read and think, you know, you've got a point, you've got a point. Um, So (laughs) (laughs) or that would make me laugh. Um, So because I was sort of pregnant in the lead up to uh, my first book, I did not write a second one. I had nothing. So once the first book was out in 2019, we came to 20 and I had my baby mid 2019. So sort of at the beginning of 2020, I was like, this is it. This is the year I'm going to write um, my next book. And, you know, 2020, it's going to be a great year. And oh, then of course, such high um, hope. <laughs> <laughs> yes. and COVID hit. And I actually, I, I, I listened to a lot of podcasts, a lot of writing podcasts, and I heard on one of them this idea of keeping a diary throughout the writing of your book, um, like just notes and thoughts and how you're going so that when your book comes out, you can go back and you have it all there of like how you wrote it and what you were going through. And so I did keep a diary of my... Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's really handy. Well, it's handy in a way. I went back, I was reading it actually this morning. It's pretty depressing what I was writing through 2020 because I was, yeah. it was, you know, the world was, it felt so um, yeah, out of control. I think that's fair. It was a tough year. Yeah. It was a tough yeah. year. And I, um, I went back to work and I had, yeah. you know, a, and you live in a Melbourne, baby, a one-year-old. Right? So you must have had yeah. so many lockdowns and everything. We had so many lockdowns. Yeah. Um, and so it was my daughter was in and out of daycare. I was trying to go back to work and work was very chaotic with everything that was happening. And I was trying to write on top of that. And I just, it wasn't happening at all. And so (laughs) this like writing diary that I kept throughout 2020 is just me sort of going, I can't write. It's not working. (laughs) I can't write. 
got no time to write. Um, so stressed about COVID, daycare yeah. sickness. Uh, so it was, it's kind of depressing. And then I started, I, I, I had this note that I made myself um, because when I first wrote, when I wrote my first book, um, it was a lot of that was written in 2017. So it was right after Trump had come in and, and there was a lot of, it was, oh. it was the same kind of feeling of the world is scary and out of control. And at the time I had um, a thought that I wanted to write something joyful. And then that was a note I wrote again this time. What an interesting comparison to like, think that is something that you thought about, like sort of both times, right? Like writing both books and that sim- it's a, almost a similar pattern which is kind of awful like I don't know what will happen um, that makes you want to write oh. something happy for book three but that's right <laughs> yeah exactly Not, maybe maybe we don't need that this time but that's really interesting <laughs> yeah so the the note I wrote was right towards joy not anger because I was sort of pulled into a dark place and I did I my first draft of my new book which I call my draft zero um, was just like 60,000 words of um, an anxious inner monologue for the main character and there was there was no plot and so it was sort of I had this draft zero it was like okay I've got my character this is a very anxious uh, stressful draft but over the top of that I'm going to overlay um, a fun rom-com yeah you're like I can add the rest of that in yeah yeah I know who she is now who she is yeah yeah and that kind of got all my anxiety out um but my main character of my my new book which is um called Unnecessary Drama her name's Brooke and she is a very anxious character and there is a lot of anxiety throughout the book although it's a fun joyful rom-com definitely that anxiety has come out there. I'm an anxious person and it was written in an anxious time. So, um, And it's something that you explored in um, It Sounded Better in My Head as well, isn't it? I'm sure. I'm sure because I remember reading it and being like, oh, my God, it's like you're inside my brain. (laughs) Yes, I write. (laughs) My characters are very neurotic, anxious people. Um, So, yes, uh, that is... That's sort of the process. And uh, I, looking at this writing diary, I, I actually have the exact day, um, which was the 31st of October 2020, when I had my light bulb moment of what exactly the book was going to be, which was um, Enemies to Lovers in a Share House. I knew I wanted it to be, I'd been, I tried, I was starting over and over on different approaches and I couldn't. I couldn't figure out how to get it working and how, how, why were these two characters spending time together? And then it clicked. Okay, they're in a share house. They're housemates. That's sort of forced proximity, and that's what got the book working. Amazing. Something we asked someone else who we interviewed for this revisit season was if you decided to include the realities of COVID within your book or is it like a pre-COVID world? Um, how have you sort or of like dealt with an that? alternate reality where it never happened. Yeah, it's COVID. Uh, that was, again, in this, in this kept throughout the time, was I kept writing to myself endlessly, like, am I putting COVID in this book? Is COVID in this book? But it was so hard in yeah. 2020, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, we kept thinking, like, it'll be over soon. Um, and, and um, the eternal I guess, I mean, exactly. the whole time, it seems so silly now, but like the whole, I mean, probably for all of 2020, we still didn't really know, is like, is this going to be this weird blip that, like, you know, kids learn about at school and, like, 
in history or whatever. And it's like, oh, that's weird. And the rest of us just completely move on and it's fine. But no, that's not what happened. No, yeah. <laughs> but, no it's just going to be a global trauma. Yeah, but like it's we didn't fine. really know what was going to happen with it all yet. So I totally, yeah. I can imagine that must have been very strange to think, do I include it or not? Because like, what if you had to cut it out? later it was really hard right at one point i had a plot point of someone flying back from overseas and i was like well yeah, this doesn't work because it's everything shut down yeah exactly <laughs> like do i just and then uh, and because it's set in first year uni and universities everyone was learning online and i had these scenes set at uni and so it was sort of like oh, what what am i doing i don't know is COVID in this is am i I, I didn't know what to do and in the end um, I decided um, I wrote most of it in 20 early sort of the first half of 2021 and I decided no COVID does not exist in my book as part of my writing towards joy kind of yeah. philosophy um, yeah love and that. yes so it's kind of set in rough the book is I mean I don't spell out when it's set but it's sort of roughly set 2021 2022 um, but just without COVID yeah. I mean, if COVID exists, the characters don't think about it or talk about it. Um, it's just not there. COVID just doesn't exist because it was it was what I, I decided. Uh, because I, my, my character, Brooke, is so anxious, I was like, it would be overwhelming. It would have to be a big plot point if I had it in there because she's such an anxious person who overthinks everything. There is no way that she wouldn't be constantly thinking about COVID and I didn't want to write that totally and it's an interesting thing to think about isn't it because it probably depends on the book where like as all authors and writers were thinking about this at the time but as you said like brooks an anxious character she's at university so online or in person she lives in a share house so is she stuck with like in lockdown with them or allowed to see other friends and her family or like you know it just it affects most parts of the story actually Mm -hmm. really Mm. And I think it's, it's going to be interesting too to see the number of books that are maybe just set in 2019. Mm. Like I'm sure there will be a lot of books that come out where a decision is made to just, if, if a timeline is necessary, that it's just like whether mm. it's a crime book or something, it's just 2019. Yeah. We'll just leave yeah. it there. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> technically my book could be set in 2019. I think the only reason it's not is because I mention, uh, in a flashback I mention like a Harry Styles song that, wouldn't have been like if you were actually trying to calculate if when you were it was really yeah, yeah. yeah through but for the most culture, part you could just yeah it's yeah. kind of it's it, i'm hoping it feels a little bit timeless in that maybe it's like five years after covid maybe it's well before but um yeah, yeah. but you know my i'm in a writing group um with two other writers and one of them is emily gale who she's just released her middle grade um the goodbye year that she wrote basically while i was writing this yeah. and um she her book has got COVID in it so it's all it's set during 2020 and it's all about what it's like to be in your grade six while COVID is happening so we kind of took opposite approaches um yeah I think that will be that will be a sort of book that's um like really good for younger people to read and to talk about it and all that sort of stuff but yeah like you said probably not right for yeah that's it not right for unnecessary drama (laughs) <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. So it's like there's so many approaches. I guess we kind of represent the two two different ways you can go at it and there's no right or wrong. Um, it's just mm. what the book needs. And I felt like for a funny escapist rom-com, COVID's not, you know, it's not setting a romantic mood. Yeah. Also, yeah. the book is literally yeah. called Unnecessary Drama, so let's just leave it out of it, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, so obviously both your books are sort of set in that first year of uni, first year out of school. Post high school, yeah. Yeah, yeah which is a, a year sort of or a, a time that we love um, and it seems obviously more and more people are writing to that as well. What is yes. it about that time for you that sort of draws you in and makes you want to write about it? Um, I just love that cusp of adulthood time of you're 18 but you don't feel like an adult yet but does that ever happen you... <laughs> do you ever feel like an adult because i don't <laughs> no, no but when you're 18 you think you're, you're mom, supposed you to suddenly like feel like an adult yeah yes it's that the transitional time i think there's a lot of you know points in your life where you're transitioning um and YA is all about firsts you know it's often uh, your first kiss or first something and this is sort of for unnecessary drama it's your first time living out of home um and the character Brooke moves from a small town to Melbourne to go to university and that's what I did and so it's that sort of scary moving out of home time your first time living away from your family your first time figuring things out on your own um and I just love, look, I love all kinds of YA. I have, as a writer, I've tried and not yet found my way into a book with a high school setting. I'm like writing with it in high school. So the first book was the summer between high school and uni. And that ended as she moved into a share house. And so it's kind of like this one, <laughs> different characters, different plot line. But picking but it up picks from up, that point. Uh, yeah. Picks up at the day that Brooke moves into a share house. So it's, it's very much a continuation <laughs> on in some way, but yes, without all different characters. I love that. Um, not a sequel, but yes. Well, Tobias spoke about doing that too with uh, sort of what he sees as a trilogy of books that are sort of set, you know, one in year 11, one in year 12, one out of high school, but they're oh, all different nice. characters, but they're all yeah. like in the same sort of, in his mind, in the same world and, you know, in the and same like sort the, of as setting he's and writing stuff. Them, but sort of like his main character is growing up that kind of thing yeah yeah that's what I was kind of thinking of like yeah the next I've written that summer between high school and uni which is a very particular summer where you kind of feel in limbo and now I wanted to write the next the next step which is the terrifying oh everything's changed all new life um and, and yeah. to go into you know, you have these expectations. I'm going to be a different person. I've got a shiny new life. I'm I'm starting over. And then, of course, you can't let your baggage just doesn't yeah. mysteriously disappear. <laughs> and I think too, um, I love that your character is really anxious because actually, looking back, um, you know, I wasn't diagnosed with anxiety then, but that period, especially that first year, would have been the most anxious that I've ever experienced. And so I think exploring that, even though obviously the book is overwhelmingly joyful, I think exploring the fact that it's that okay to, yeah, you can yeah. be excited yeah. about this new life, but also it's really scary and a that's lot okay. Of it is really scary. I'm pretty yeah. sure I cried on my first day of uni and I was just going in town. I hadn't even moved <laughs> anywhere or, and I was still living with my parents. I had like physical symptoms of anxiety, like literally every day for like the first semester like really bad physical symptoms of anxiety and for most of the rest of the semester like all the other semesters um when it got to a certain point I would just feel sick like constant like anxious sick yeah. not an actual physical illness but just like you know butterflies heart yeah. racing all the time because I just felt 
I put so much pressure on myself like I'm a massive perfectionist and that's that's why but obviously when you're that young too you, you can't you're not self-aware enough to see that even if now I'm not, I'm not any better necessarily but I can sort of see it and try and stop it a bit but you're just so unequipped when you especially when you've like moved out of home and yeah. everything's new and everything's changing and I just I sometimes did look at other people who were there like partying and doing like the typical you know the high school and uh college experience that we see in movies and thinking like why can't I be like them like why am I so different so I'm really looking forward to seeing how you explore that it's probably going to be like really weird to read it from where I am now and be like oh I just want to give you a hug and that's (laughs) like yeah I wish that I had done that like yeah Yes, and that is definitely in there um, in terms of yeah, wanting to make new friends and the fit in and the expectations of this amazing new life and what you've got to do and what other people think of you and all of that is definitely in the book yeah. um, in many different ways. So, yeah. Amazing. It's an anxious time. Yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah, yeah. I feel like there's, there's key times in your life when anxiety is kind of peaking and that first year of uni is definitely one of the times it's such a time of change which is why it's such an interesting time to write about and why michelle and i are just obsessed with books set at that time and stories set at that time and there's sort of a there's a lot out this year as well of australian ya with that kind of set in uni or that end of high school i know this um like older YA area I think is really interesting and I I'm really looking forward to reading yeah a few more books of like yeah set in a share house or whatever obviously um one that I just found so like the concept so crazy for YA but was such a fun book was Sarah Ayub's The Cult of Romance because it's about her best friend getting married right I I never would have guessed that I would read YA about someone getting married but I Mm. it was so fun and we loved chatting to Sarah about yeah, that older YA, like, space right now. It's so exciting in Australian YA. Yeah. yeah. It definitely feels like an exciting space. And I think as well for Australian readers, again, a lot of the college depictions we see are American, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and as with, you know, high school movies and stuff like that. And we've come a long way in terms of high school and schooling experiences reflected in YA, in in Australian YA. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it's really like, feels like a bit of a a moment for the Australian university experience, which is, yeah, so, so different to America. Yes, the American one's all very living on campus in a, like, Every, which is like an experience moves, that happens here, but lives on campus. But yeah, it's yeah. Just I lived on, I lived on I lived on campus, um, but it's not like living in an American. Dorm. No, uh, and and I think too. I think I think this happens in the UK as well. Their university uh, processes are a little bit more um, streamlined in terms of they still have like freshmen and sophomores, mm. like it's it's like you do every degree is like the same length almost unless i guess you're like a doctor or something um whereas obviously 
in Australia, your degree, your undergrad degree depends on what you're studying. Could be two right. years, could be four years, could be five years, you know. So you can also do it sort of part time. And so you're technically doing first year subjects, but in your yeah. second year or something. Yeah, yeah. it's not like, uh, it's not it's not as regimented, I guess. Which I would love to ask you about, Nina, because it sounded better in my head, was published in the US. And yes. I mean, what was that like? Because that summer between high school and uni while a very common like storyline in American movies and things like that, it's obviously very different for us because this. I mean, this is why we love it. It's like Christmas and summer and everything. Yeah. What yeah. was it like publishing that book in the US? It was. I mean, I had an amazing editor, US editor, who was just really got the book. And the only things we really had to change was put in a, a couple more sentences, trying to explain a few things like how. Um, like the year 12 exams scores work, or work yeah exactly like yeah because there's a they're you know waiting for their marks and how that works versus the US because it's very different and other than that and changing there was some words where there were, we had some back and forth on like do we keep it and let people try and figure it out or yeah. uh, do we use the Americanization I think it was like we changed doona to blanket because oh. they don't say doona and bathers to swimwear you know just things like that but um while still keeping it like without going full americanization um but no yeah i mean it's still very like it stayed pretty much the same as a very australian story it was released in the u.s in april 2020 when everything kind of shut down bookstores were shut down so it was you know and covid covid was the topic so it was definitely a book that was uh a victim of covid it's so hard in the u.s as well because they have so many books coming out every single month like is it like they do a release on it like the tuesday or something and like it's just it's overwhelming the number of books like that's so that's so disappointing though um that it doesn't get the space and obviously that we know it deserves it got um it was a finalist for an award over there which was utterly shocking to me um a library award um but uh, like a a big award there so um the William C Morris sort of debut novel award um from the library association there and (laughs) so that helped I think yeah Yeah, it was really good but I don't you know, it's it didn't, and, and the my new book is going to be published with the same publisher there in the US. Oh, okay. um, it will be out, but in a year, so in August 2023, um, unnecessary drama will come out. But yeah, Amazing. so look, COVID did not help in any way, but um, it was an interesting experience. Um, Have you heard from? like any american readers yeah yeah i have i get emails and it's really nice um and there's a lot of um american readers who have left goodreads reviews and things and it's all been really lovely and it's bizarre to have someone you know in the u.s um write to you and say i love your book um i'm from you know some yeah. small state over there it's just yeah it's wow. really nice that's so cool that's so lovely it must be so strange I guess I don't think about it that much but I think just sometimes I think you know obviously the American you know TV movies things like that their industry is so big and and amazing that we see everything worldwide and I think like obviously it doesn't work as well the other way and so I just think Mm -hmm. about American teenagers reading a book like yours with our 
more logical school system that's a calendar year and everything I don't know like it's must be so strange for them yeah I think even just like yeah the the seasons being the other way around and yes yeah, so it's it's I think that that is definitely that I mean it's a barrier to publishing there for sure um and I know like there are Australian YA authors who write their books set in the US and have you know and you get their their agent is US agent and sells into the US first and that's that's a whole other way to go about your career I guess um which is fine like it's really hard as writing an Australian book to get it published anywhere outside of Australia yeah yeah well congratulations on thank you also being a finalist in the award yeah too. Like, I think that's amazing that's wonderful. And it was shocking <laughs> I mean it's amazing I think I'm really glad that that your book is available to us readers to read about our crazy school system and our summer Christmas and everything <laughs> because I mean I love it so they should read they should all know about it yeah no I'm super happy to see more Australian books being published over there me too yeah. like Tobias and um, yeah yeah there's a whole bunch that have been published that are still Australian. Um, so is there anything else that you'd like to sort of let us know about unnecessary drama before it comes out? Just, yeah, I think it's, I think it's a book for anyone who likes, um, I sort of been describing it as yes, on the one hand, it's slow burn enemies to lovers in a share house. I was, you know, a little bit of new girl feel, um, and if you, if you like sort of romance and tropes and that kind of thing, there's definitely some fun tropes in there. But it's also a kind of classic coming-of-age story. It's also a finding your way after high school story and moving out of home story and a making new friends story. And an ex- and definitely it's a story about living with anxiety. And, yeah, so it's. It, I think it's um, – if, if any of that appeals to you, then hopefully – it will find its readers. I think it absolutely will because all of that appeals I to I mean, me. I know it, for us it's like tick, tick, yeah. tick, all of those <laughs> things. We're going to love it. <laughs> absolutely wonderful to speak to you again. Where can people find and follow you online? I Look, I'm not very good on social media. I, <laughs> I busy. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not great. I'm a, just a very private person. I, I think of myself as like a social media vampire. Like I take, but I don't give a lot. I, <laughs> I, love, that. I love that term so much better. Normally people like, you know, sort of in social media and marketing and everything, we sort of say that people are lurkers. Like they just mm-hmm. look at everything. And I like vampire mm-hmm. much better. I'm a vampire, well, not a lurker. <laughs> Um, but I am on social. Um, you could just find me under Nina Kenwood. Um, so I'm on Twitter and Instagram. I am on TikTok in that I, yes, I, I can, I take, I consume, I watch, <laughs> I watch, I watch a lot of TikToks, but I don't make any. Um, but I do occasionally. Any any news uh, that I have w- about the book will be on Twitter or Instagram. Fabulous. Thank Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Better Words. You can chat to us on Instagram at BetterWordsPod. And follow me, Michelle, at Unfinished Bookshelf. And me, Caitlin, at Just a Bookish Babe. If you liked this episode, please share it with a book loving friend and leave a rating or review.